Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now, new plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now, 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And good morning, everybody. It is time for the Garden Wise Show right here on Legends 810 with your Garden Wise Guy host, Jim Borland and Keith Funk. We'll be uh, behind the mics this morning taking your phone calls at the following number, 303-477-2473. And it'll get you right in here. You'll have to go through Sean first. Sorry about that. But that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> those, those are the rules. And we go by rules here. All right. It's going to be a guard, great gardening day today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. And this whole following week is going to be a great day to get out in the garden and do stuff, which I've been doing. Have you been doing? I have been doing it. I've been raking leaves like a madman. Good Lord. I I'm, worked for two hours yesterday afternoon after we went out to lunch together with our wives. Yeah. I worked. I went out to the back, the front yard, and was doing what you were doing—raking yeah, yeah. leaves out from under things yeah. and trying to clean stuff up, cutting stuff back. I managed to work for two hours. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I I did two hours and then rested and did a little bit more. I've been raking up like three years worth of leaves. Oh my! What are you? And you're going to run them through your chipper? And none of those leaves are mine. <coughs> they're all my neighbors they're all labeled <laughs> you can still make out what they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm breaking down almost to the soil surface and the, and the leaves in the bottom are oh they smell kind of bad that are that many leaves oh my goodness i've lost track of how many wheelbarrows of leaves I've pulled well out. you'll have you'll have a bunch of volunteers coming up now that <coughs> they've got I'm sun to the soil sure. <laughs> i rake leaves in some areas and and there's just a carpet of green stuff underneath of it. Oh, my goodness. Etiolated green stuff. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> so. Well, I hate, I, I was raking a lot of cottonwood leaves. Now, that came from yeah. the open space across the street. I hate cottonwood leaves. Yeah, they don't break down easily. They don't. They just sit there. But you, when you rake them up and they're nice and brittle, if you do it before we've had any moisture or recent moisture, yeah, you can just crunch them up in your hands. Yeah, you can, it's easier then. And then I throw them back. <laughs> oh really yeah <laughs> okay i can't do that with this i'm sorry <laughs> i do all the raking up and then i go back a day later when things are dried off and there's yet another layer to rake off <laughs> oh yeah now, i like to go through and just uh I, I i everything i can that i can cut into small pieces and leave lay i will i've been raking up a lot of years worth of that too <laughs> oh really <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it breaks down in my yard really fast yeah, but you don't nice. water and i water yeah and that, I think, makes a huge difference oh, as far as how fast things yeah. rot down. It does indeed. But after those snows we've had this year, a lot of the stuff on the bottom <coughs> three or four layers is uh, starting to rot and uh, starting to putrefy as well. <laughs> Anaerobic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it smells like a sewer for, you know, an hour or two. And That's what happens when I turn on my front <coughs> fountain. Oh, my God, oh, it yeah. stinks. <laughs> it just reeks. <coughs> yeah. For about half an hour. And then it's gone. Yeah. 
which is kind of nice. Yeah, that so it works. Uh, I'm sure everybody by now has lots of crocus blooming. Oh yeah, lots of snowdrops blooming. Lots of squill. Squills are starting to push up. And the really early daffodils, like yeah. February gold. Yeah. And tete-a-tete. Yeah. Uh, what else? You can see the flower buds on those. Oh, I had some anemone blanda starting up. Yeah. Some, I saw some blue ones. And some iris reticulata are still yeah, popping up here yeah. and there. Yeah. Um, and my favorite. I was telling you about it earlier. Yeah. The winter aconite. Yep. Yeah. And that's, it's aconitum, right? Everybody calls it aconite, though. Yeah. yeah. Winter aconite. It's a little bulb. It's in, I think it's a ranunculus family. Yes. And these little yellow buttercups underneath this, or above this ferny foliage around yeah. it, it's just like it's wearing, it's, it's like one of those Victorian costumes where the men wore those frilly doilies <laughs> yes. around their yeah. neck, and then yeah. they had their head popping up above yeah. that. <laughs> and that's kind of like what these are. And they're really tiny, and they're small, and... You plant them in large groups so that you can actually see them without getting <laughs> down on your hands and knees. But they're so cute. Yeah. It makes it look like a woodland garden. Mm-hmm. It does. And then yeah. they start to reseed <coughs> and come up here, there, and everywhere. Which is a good thing. I think they so. They don't take up any room. I think so. I cleaned up my iris yesterday. I, I hate to see iris with old dead leaves hanging around the base. Yeah. Yeah. So that I did clean up. And, and they don't crunch. I can't I no. can't go back and crunch those dead leaves up. So I have to I have to run those through the shredder or something yep. before yep. I throw them in the compost pile. Yeah, I I try to chop everything up into smaller pieces before I throw it in the compost. And, and it goes through the chipper, but big stuff, you have to make it or you have to arrange it so that it actually can fit into the chute. Mm-hmm. That just takes time. Well, and I have to be careful because there, there are rocks and pebbles. Yeah, oh and yeah. and you don't want one of those <coughs> going through into your no, chipper. No, that'll dull the b- blades very oh, quickly. Stop it all together. <laughs> or you could do that. <laughs> uh, shear a shear a bolt or something while I'm doing that. So, well, let's see. We should give out our phone number is three zero three four seven seven two four seven three. And guess what? Yellow. Irene called in already. Hello, Irene. Good morning, Hello. Irene. I have a question about hibiscus. Yeah, Go for it. I it's a perennial hibiscus, okay. and it's been in the ground about thirty-five years. Oh my goodness! Can I cut it in half and separate it? Yes, you can. You can even more than that. You can probably cut it into quarters. Really? Yeah. Just depends on how big of a plant you want the, back the first year. And then, how, are the roots really deep? Yes. Yes. Oh boy, that's what I was so afraid I, of. So, so you're going to be cutting a lot of them when you dig it up to separate it, and it's going to, you know, it's going to sit there and pout. Maybe not do a whole lot this year. Oh, but they, yeah, it does have deep and very thick roots, like the size of your little finger. Yeah. Um, and and you will end up cutting them. I mean, there's no way you can get them all, so don't worry about that. They regenerate. Um, but try to take as big a root ball as you can. And you can bare root the plant if you want to. I mean, you don't have to take a lot of soil with it this time of year because oh. it's not growing yet. But I think I'd wait. If it were mine, I'd probably wait until I start to see new growth. And oh. that'll be late May probably before you do that. Well, but right now I have been rejuvenating the area that it's planted in. I, I mistakenly planted some grape hyacinths many, many years ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those darn things. I have dug it up 
including the soil, four times now. Oh, yeah. I got a whole garbage can, 32-gallon garbage can full of them. Yep. And they have have infiltrated into the roots of this hibiscus as Mm, well. Yeah. And And there's no way I can get them out. And you'll be contending with the seeds in the ground, too, which will continue to germinate. Oh, well, I thought if I got all the tiny bulbs and that as much as I could out, that I would be home free. But well, that's for a few so years. Hard. Yeah, that's that's a help. But you'll have to do that every year for a number of years. <laughs> My back can't stand oh, it any longer. I hear you. Uh, Jim, do you think it's okay for her to dig that hibiscus now, I, being that it likes warmer soils to to grow? I'm just worried about those ro- roots rotting in the ground until we get warmer. Oh, I don't know if they're going to rot in the ground cuz they <clears throat> they're sold bare root anyway. Yeah. So, and those are of course those who are in storage under high humidity. Um And I suppose you could order them and get them delivered to you this time of year. Yeah. I just remember as a kid I would dig them up and 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 split them, but I'm trying to remember what time of year it was. And I don't remember cuz it was so long ago. I, but, yeah. but I, I kind of like your idea of waiting until you see the shoots first appear, uh, and yeah, I, 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 man, wouldn't, I wouldn't would let, I wouldn't let them grow very long, because they're they're easy to snap off when the shoots get in any length at all. It would be a problem then about the plants coming up around it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. you'd be damaging yeah. your other perennials. Yeah. yeah. So it's either now or never. I well, think I would do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure it'll work. They're pretty sturdy plants. Okay. Any suggestions as to what I can do for the hibiscus or the grape hyacinths that have infiltrated into the plant? Well, yeah, I, short of digging the whole plant up and just and doing what you've already done and getting all those little bulbs out of the ground uh, and then replanting it and then revisiting it at least once a year. To pull out anything that comes up from seed. You can't pull them out, though. It just Well, some of them are the really quite deep. Uh, you could also put a pre-emergent down after you do that yeah, initial digging yeah. it out. and Would a mulch help? And a mulch will help. I mean, that might have to be a thick mulch. Yeah. Well, I usually do mulch the plant, but that stuff grew right up through. Well, the bulbs will, but we're just thinking, you know, the seed oh, germinating. The seed. You know, typically seed has to have light to germinate on most plants. I don't know if muscaria are the yeah, same I way. I don't know either, but um, but it'll make the, the resultant seedlings easier to pull if they're in, if they're coming up through a mulch. Yeah. And I can put a pre-emergent on the plant after it's yes, you transplanted? Can. Yes. And uh-huh. it won't hurt the hibiscus? No. no. The pre-emergent only affects <clears throat> seed. But it won't keep any tiny bulbs that are no. in there from coming no, afraid, up. No, afraid not. Afraid not. Just the oh. seeds. Okay. Which could be significant. <laughs> yes. Now, as long as you've had those things, every year they're <coughs> dropping more and more seed. I know. Well, uh, the first time I dug it up, I live high up on a hill. It's 40 foot up. And I threw them over the fence, and they rolled down the hill, and I thought they'd just die. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> they rooted. And yep. now when my grandson 
we need the hill. It is so slippery from those things. Yeah. And they weren't planted. They just rooted where I threw them and grew. Yes. Yeah, they're durable little plants. Now, there are certain grape hyacinths, certain muscari, which is the Latin for the genus, that don't spread like that. Yes. And, but, uh, you know, we're all used to that old-fashioned one that uh, is always available at, in the fall. And, and that can be extremely invasive and n- darn near impossible to get rid of. That's one of those plants that once you get them established, you don't ever have to water it again. Yeah. And it's also one of those plants that you can spray the foliage with Roundup every day for a month, and it's still not going to die. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's too bad other things don't grow that well here. Yeah, well, weeds do. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Bindweed is right there. (laughs) Enjoy your program. Thanks for your help. Thanks for calling, Irene. Yeah, thank you very much. I, what, I should probably talk a little bit about a, a, a plant I saw last week. Yes. Um, where should I start on this? Uh, I, I saw the plant uh, going into a restaurant. It was in somebody's next door yard. And I looked out and said, that's a filbert mm. <clears throat> growing up. And it was, I don't know, eight, nine, maybe not quite ten feet tall. And it, had, and it was in bloom. Oh, really? And that's how I recognize it was something different. Those long, dangly <laughs> things? Real do- long, dangling things hanging off of them. And uh, coming back out of the restaurant, I took a closer look at it, and sure enough, it started out as a Harry Louder's walking stick. Or contorted filbert. Or, yeah, that would be um, Coriolis Avalana Contorta, uh-huh. to throw the, all, all those names in there. And uh, apparently that one, that one was grafted. Yes. And it... The rootstocks will keep sending up shoots <coughs> that are straight as arrows, mm-hmm. <coughs> whereas the walking stick portion of it is very, very contorted, very contorted, real curly, very and curly. Yeah, the florists love yeah, those things. Yeah. Um, that's another story I'll tell you as well. But um, and so I took a picture of it. You could still tell that the main plant was still there, but it com- had become completely overgrown with these. Uh, straight up stem suckers yeah the suckers and i don't know if the original plant was still alive it was hard to tell yeah but um and that'll happen so if you should if you should go out and buy a harry louder's walking stick number one try to find one that was not grafted on its own roots it's on its own roots good luck with that yeah and it doesn't come up then uh, or you don't get those shoots coming up Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to think. I don't know which one's going to be more expensive. It's both. Both is is an elaborate process of of getting them avail- and putting them in, into a container. Hmm. Because putting them on run roots, they they grow these uh, adult plants out in a row, and then they cover them up with sawdust. Oh, okay. Which <coughs> etiolates the stems, which pre uh, pre. Prepares them so when you take the cuttings off of them, they will root. Oh, okay. Easier than not doing that process. All right. And um, and then you can get an on, on its own root, lotter's walking stick. Well, a lot of plants we buy in nurseries are grafted. <coughs> yep. To a you know non-variety seedling stock that uh, root stock that is maybe 
have they've discovered gives the plant more hardiness mm-hmm. or more vigor, or maybe as a dwarfing rootstock to keep the plant from getting oh. too big. But you know, y- you've got to watch out for those grafted plants. If they start sending up shoots from below ground, those need to be removed. Yep. Or anything. Th- yeah, or those shoots will take over, and you'll lose the plant that you actually paid money for. Exactly. And it happens above ground, too. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm thinking of variegated Norway maple. Oh, yeah, yeah. They s- that's an unstable, yeah. unstable and, plant. And they'll, and they'll send out shoots above ground that are just green. Instead of variegated. Instead of variegated. And eventually, over time, that green stem will grow and uh, will overtake the variegated one, and you'll lose your variegated tree. Yeah, the variegated portion grows more slowly. Yes. Because it doesn't have nearly as much chlorophyll in the leaves right, as the yeah. green one does. And there are some plants, especially weeping plants. Uh, I, one that comes to mind is like a weeping cherry or possibly a mm. weeping <coughs> mulberry. A lot of those are grafted way up high yes. where the weeping starts. And, and so there again, you have to watch out for any stems that grow straight up in the air like an yeah. arrow instead of having that nice weeping <coughs> form. Those need to be removed. Yes. Now, occasionally, they'll be grafted down low, and the shoots that come up then have to be staked yes. to get up to the height that you want it to start weeping. And that's how you get that S-curve in some of yeah, those you can do plants. That too. You get yep. that really snaky-looking S-curve trunk, yep. and then the whole thing weeps. But and you really got to watch out for yeah, those suckers. Those cost even more. They do, because it <laughs> takes time. <laughs> it does. Somebody has to go out there and train those puppies, yeah. and it takes a lot of time to get them up to size where they're saleable and look attractive and uh, will you know, be strong enough to survive in somebody's yep. landscape. <clears throat> and so uh, once you've spent four or <coughs> five or ten years in a nursery growing this thing, you R- need to recoup your investment. Yeah, rank <laughs> <laughs> racking up money with each passing year. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we've got open lines, 303-477-2473. That is your number to call. And by the way, I was talking about the, the Harry Lauder's walking stick. Uh, on Facebook, there's a picture of this, this plant, and you'll see exactly what I was been talk- I've been talking about. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. You'll see it <laughs> everywhere, in all kinds of plants. Oh, yes, yes. And yes, then you want to go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, hey <laughs> you need to take I, care I of that. <laughs> I want to I do that. <laughs> I want to do that, uh-huh. and I, I'm thinking, should I do this or not? We have a neighbor down the street who decided to put a raised wooden, I don't know, it's going to turn out to be a, a raised garden, to think of it that way, around the base of his, what's the tree? God, I can't think of what the tree is. I think it's a honey locust. I could be wrong. But it's a big one, and they're, it's going to get filled up with, with dirt, around f- the trunk of that deep? tree it's going to be at least a foot and a half or more maybe close oh to that's bad yep. i've been thinking about writing him a, a note and saying uh not a good idea and here's a website to check uh-huh. and i'll tell you all about how not to do that you put soil up around the base of a trunk of a tree that's not used to that and you're going to start running into problems yeah exactly Oh, oh! hey, you said to me the other day that you dug some carrots recently. I did, just the other day, yeah. From last year? 
from last year. They sat in the ground all winter. They did indeed. They're still in the ground, and they're still they're they're giant ter- carrots because <laughs> I like to grow the long ones because mm-hmm. uh, I have soil that'll accommodate that and uh, leave some in over the winter. Mulch them in heavily, of course, and uh, I can dig them now, and they're they're still quite good to eat. In fact, uh, my wife chopped them up and we roasted a bunch. How much longer do you think you can do that before they bolt? Because they will they will go to flower this year. Well, they're starting to put off new growth now, even yeah. under all the mulch. Uh-huh. So soon they should be used. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than a rotten carrot. No. Boy, or a sticky. woody carrot. Ugh. But these are still good. Yeah. They're, they're big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw the fu- a funny... Um, what are you comic i guess on on facebook it's a celery the food you eat when you want to bite into water with hair in it mm-hmm. pretty good description <laughs> <laughs> if you have some garden experiences like that go ahead, give us a call and we'll discuss it here our number is 303-477-2473 right here on legends 810 and Why speaking of that, we should probably just go ahead and take a break and get it out of the way so we can take calls from two people who, at this distance, I can't tell what their names are. Pat and looks like Edith, maybe? All right, right here on Legends 810. It's like the difference between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the heart blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60 degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use DRAM watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original, invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. DRAM watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. We've got the cure for spring fever at Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center. Our greenhouse is filled with tropical house plants, including all your favorites and special specimen plants for your collection. Browse through 5,000 square feet of greenhouse with wide aisles and an open air building to assure your safe shopping. Choose from air cleaning, low maintenance, easy care plants, or some special treasure for the green plant enthusiast. While walking through the greenhouse, you'll be surrounded by blooming orchids, hanging ferns, and plants from tabletop size to full-size floor plants. Pinterest-worthy pattern leaves, textures in succulents, and plants with variegated leaves. It's a plant lover's dream. Let our knowledgeable staff help you pick out the perfect one for your environment. Our wide selection of pottery comes in all sizes. Think about a plant in a beautiful container as a piece of furniture to complement your home. Incorporate a grouping of plants together as they would grow naturally. Plants are a perfect addition to your home and office. Bringing the greenhouse indoors gives a feeling of calm to your living spaces. While you're here, browse through two floors of gift and home decor showrooms. 
Plus, take time to smell the roses in our walk-in fresh flower cooler. Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. For more information, visit our website at lafayetteflorist.com. Call us at 303-665-5555 or stop by. We're open daily. Do you have insects on your roses? Do you have borers damaging your trees and shrubs due to stress or the drought? Fertilone Tree and Shrub Soil Drench is a great product that will give you season-long protection against many insects. Fertilone Tree and Shrub Soil Drench is a systemic that can act as a preventer or a curative for insects that suck or chew on the leaves or bore under the bark. This may be the easiest product to use. Simply measure, mix in a bucket, and pour around the base of the tree. No messy spraying involved, and an application can last up to one year. Apply in early spring so your plants are fully protected before the bugs show up. Protect your trees with Fertilone Tree and Shrub Soil Drench. Find it at your favorite local independent nursery, garden center, or hardware store, including Nick's Garden Center in Aurora, Jared's Nursery in Littleton, and the Flower Bin in Longmont. Be sure to tell them that the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Now that the weather is starting to warm up, you'll want to protect your ornamental and vegetable garden from various beetles, weevils, and borers, including Japanese beetles. And what better way to prevent these pests from destroying your garden than by controlling them while they're larvae? GrubGone is an easy-to-apply granule product that can be spread on your turf to successfully control grub invaders. Developed by Phylum Bioproducts from a naturally occurring bacteria, GrubGone is a non-chemical byproduct that specifically targets only certain scarab pests. And it's safe to use around bees and other beneficial insects. And it is a non-chemical choice for areas frequented by kids or pets. Yes, and once you see the adult beetles flying around your yard, BeetleGone is an organic water dispersible powder that can be sprayed directly on your edible plants. And did I mention it is certified for organic gardening? Find out more at phylumbioproducts.com. Phylum Bioproducts. Target the pest, not the rest. You'll find GrubGone Granule and BeetleGone Powder at your local independent garden suppliers, including Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Garden Center, and Jared's Nursery and Garden Center. And we're back taking your phone calls on Legends 810, and the Garden Wise Guys are doing that on this end of the microphone, and you are on the other end of <clears throat> and your own microphone. That's the phone. Microphone and a phone. Well, you got to have one. Yeah, who knew that? And and I got who, who knows how, how people use their phones anymore. I was going to say you hold it up to your ear. Who does that anymore? <laughs> I suppose if you want, I understand landlines are coming back. Are they? So I read. Yeah, we were just considering getting rid of ours. Yeah, I think people like the idea that they can use that thing even when there's a power outage and all other kinds of stuff that affect everything else. Except for landlines. I don't know if our landline, because it's, it's via the Internet, so I don't think it works without a Internet connection. Then you're, you're out of luck, buddy. I know. <laughs> Not us. We're still with Mall Bell. Oh. <laughs> You've got a direct wire. We huh? have direct wire. It does take electricity, but I, apparently it's on a different circuit altogether. I'm going to cut the wires at your house and see no, what you- happens. <laughs> There'll be smoke coming out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that that wouldn't be the least bit unusual in our neighborhood. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. We, our phones and and our electricity go out 
I want to say constantly. That w- that's too much. But um, yeah, throughout the year, they would they would go out. That's not okay. I, well, that's what I thought too. Well, our landline, all we get is spam calls anymore. People yeah. wanting money. <clears throat> this this that and the other charity or what yeah, have I, you. I've gotten pretty good at hanging up on them. It's still a bother. Well, I, ours just shows up on the TV screen as to oh. who's calling. It's this potential spam and so forth. Click. Like, you can leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we pick up the phone. If I hear anything other than a human voice, immediately I hang up. Oh, I know. It takes them a while to yes, it takes connect a while in there, and you can tell. Or if you can hear other people in the background, you yeah. know, you know, it's a it's a phone center. You can just hang up immediately. Don't don't even bother going anywhere. Let's get out to the phones here, because we know these are not spam calls. We've got Pat waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Pat. Uh, yes, I am not a spam call. <laughs> um, well, every year I get a little bit concerned about the pre-emergent because of the annual grasses that come up in my backyard. Yes. And uh, so is it too early right now to put the pre-emergent down? Or? I wouldn't think so. I think you're fine. The annual grasses, I, if there are indeed the annual grasses, those are cool season grasses. Okay. Um, the guy who's supposed to aerate my yard can't do it till the middle of April, so I thought what I would do is put it down. It's got fertilizer in it, so I put it down um, about April 1st, maybe, and then uh, wait for those other two weeks till he aerates and then come back and give it another dose. I don't know that I'd do that. You can overdose. Oh, you know, and if you put a pre-emergent down now and then in two weeks go through an aerate, you've just poked a bunch of holes in your in your pre-emergent protection. Well, that's why I was going to uh, put another batch down after. Yeah, no, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't have any idea what what, what too much. Well, I, I seem much. to remember the Denver Botanic Gardens a number of years ago. This is probably decades at this point. Yeah, decades. Um, Over applied pre-emergent and they ended up having to take out the top like foot of soil <laughs> I know in an area and replace it um, check the package of your pre-emergent I, I'm sure it, it is dependent on the type of pre-emergent you're using how frequently you can use it but most of them are going to be in the 6 to 12 week intervals and so putting it on after two weeks, I'm just worried <coughs> that it can cause some problems with your existing turf. Oh. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that. I know. That doesn't, that doesn't always come up. But, um, yeah, you can, you can over-apply a pre-emergent just like you can over-apply a weed killer or an insecticide or a fertilizer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was concerned if I put that down now, and he comes and pokes holes, that's not going to do me a lot of good having it down. Correct. So I'd say if you, if you can't get aerated any sooner than then, I wouldn't put down a pre-emergent before the aeration. It's just going to be a waste of, not a total waste of time and money, but, you know, I'd say it's going to be at least a 20% waste. So it should t- give me more information. It was that stuff you guys told me to use that, was, that said... Um, uh, it said Poa annua, I think. Uh-huh. Yes, uh huh. Um, that was the stuff <coughs> that I have to use. Is that the uh, Fertilome All Seasons? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, that will last, I want to say, 12 weeks. So, and th- there's an 800 number on the package you can call and talk to somebody 
at uh, at the Fertilome company, and uh, they'll be able to tell you whether that's going to be a problem or not. <coughs> okay. I know the fertilizer is not a full load of nitrogen because it's usually the first one you put down, and you normally, on your first application of fertilizer on the lawn, you don't put down a full pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. So I don't think the fertilizer part of it's going to be a problem applying it in two weeks. I think it might be the pre-emergent. But they'll be able to tell you at VPG or Fertilome whether that's going to be okay or not. Okay. I'll give them a call. Um, oh, uh, what about hydrangeas? I don't really want to um, prune those too <coughs> early. Is it good now? Or? I usually wait until I start to see new growth. What yeah, about you, Jim? That's what I would do. Yep. Oh. Yeah, you may be able to see some dead stems now that they're obviously dead, and those can be cut out any time. Or broken ones can or be broken, cut out. Or broken, yeah. yeah. Or, or tips of branches that may have died back. Sometimes that's very obvious, and those can be cut back. But then you want to go back later on and see if you got it all or not. So I just want to wait to see if I see some growth on those stems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I just didn't want to do that too early and then be sorry I did that, and I'm always questionable about it. It's about like the way you do roses. You know, you wait to start to see the new growth push. Uh, we recommend you do that with butterfly bush as well. Uh, even even blue mist spirea, I like to wait until I start to see some new growth before I cut them back. Yeah, and, and Russian sage, the same way. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're all, we're just... Uh, you know, anxious to get started here. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd focus more on <coughs> cleanup at ground level. <laughs> yeah. I did uh, do some pruning on bushes. Uh-huh. So um, I thought that wouldn't hurt anything. No, probably not this time of year. We're, we're at the, the appropriate time to do that sort of thing. Yeah, the only, the only caveat to that is that any of the spring flowering shrubs like forsythia <coughs> or quince, things like that, Pruning this time of year, you usually end up cutting off some of the flowers that haven't opened yet. Right. Yeah, potentella would be my only concern, but I was uh, only going to take out some of the biggest stems. Yeah, I think you're great on that because they bloom later on, and uh, I would not consider them a spring flowering shrub. Normally what I tell people is anything that blooms before Memorial Day, if you can avoid it, don't prune it until after it blooms. Okay, so thank you so much for the information. You bet. Thanks for calling, Pat. Okay, bye-bye. I'm going to do a little follow-up on that Harry Lauder's walking stick. Um, we had a big one in our yard, and one winter we had a nasty cold spell that, that roared through after some very warm temperature and killed the thing right to the ground, rootstock and all. Mm. And I, list, I was looking at the information on this plant there yesterday, the day before, and it's listed for Zone 3. Oh, good grief. Which will take it way up north in terms of cold hardiness. Well, I remember where that plant was <coughs> located in your yard, and yeah. it was up against the house in kind yeah. of a corner, very warm, protected area. Yeah. It probably wasn't even close to prepared for that cold weather. No, it was not. And they died all over the city. Mm -hmm. I think Botanic Gardens lost theirs as well. We ended up... Selling the plant. <laughs> the dead plant. Yes. <laughs> to a florist my wife knew, asked him, you know, were you interested? Because, you know, they had all those nice nice branches that are used for, for uh, arrangements. And he said, yes. I don't remember. We actually paid us money for it. 
Wow. He came over and cut it off at the base. and He came <laughs> over and got it himself. Oh, yeah. And it, shoved it. I mean shoved it in the back of his SUV. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good-sized plant. It was. And by the time some of the, the branches were starting to dry and were kind of brittle. Uh-huh. And, uh, but he took it. He didn't, he didn't, didn't matter to him. Interesting. <laughs> so if you have a Harry Lauder's walking stick and it's of any size and it dies on you, why contact your local florist. He may buy it from you. Well, I remember my sister-in-law had one in Littleton, and the top died, but the rootstock came up mm-hmm. and shot straight up in the air like you'd expect it to, and it made a, a fairly nice little tree Yeah. yeah. after after a few years because yep. she didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so she just left it because she thought, well, anything green is better than nothing. Uh, <laughs> you got a point there. Yeah. I've, I've seen them grow on the West Slope. And I I assume it's the same species, but these things are like 30, 40 feet tall. What? Oh, yeah. The contorted ones? No, not the oh. contorted ones. Oh, okay. No. The, the rootstock ones. <laughs> the rootstock ones, yeah, yes. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> and I don't know if they produce fruit or not. Things produce fruit more reliably on the West Slope than they do here. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm surprised to see them that big. Well, I would be too. Yeah. I've got one in my side yard along the street i love that plant harry harry louder's walking stick also can called contorted filbert contorted filbert because the branches are all curly and (coughs) contorted looking and really bizarre looking and they're really neat in the winter time especially if you throw some christmas lights on them there you go Uh, and then in the spring they they bloom i'm using air quotes here (laughs) <laughs> bloom with these long dangly tassels. Hey, blooming right now. Yeah. And, it, and again, it's a very interesting look. It looks like somebody put weird tinsel on the plant. <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging there, dangling in the breeze. And then after that, they have these large, felted, furry leaves for the summer. And, and there again, you get a, a whole different texture a whole different look to the plant yeah unfortunately not much for fall color no but that's all right not everything has to has to look good 24 months out of the year (laughs) but i like to get at least three seasons and i feel like i do out of that particular plant you know spring summer and but as you mentioned last week i think they do come in red leaf forms as well yeah, I'm, I'm understanding, though, that that one's not quite, quite as cold-hardy. Yeah. I tried that one, and it, it promptly died. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, although I'm willing to try it again, because I figured it was my fault. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh-huh. If it's my fault, I'll, I'm willing to try again. If I feel like it's the plant's fault, and that happens, too. Yeah, that does. It obviously had a death wish. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm not doing it again. Or you I'll b- teach you. Or you bought a runt. A runt <laughs> or a mule. <laughs> Never bloomed. Oh, uh, if you had any, any successes and uh, non-successes in your garden and wondering why, why give us a call. We can talk about it here at 303-477-2473. Because we've all, if you've gardened for any length of time at all, we've all killed plants. And we probably kill more of them here in, in Denver than we do anywhere <laughs> else in the nation. But hopefully you learn something with each one. Well, you just heard Keith's story. He obviously didn't learn. 
You know what they say about trying things again and again. <laughs> and expecting a different result. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think it holds true in the gardening world, though. You can expect a different result. <laughs> oh, sometimes it works. Yeah. Hey, we need to take a break. Okay. But, Shirley, I want you to know that you're next up as soon as we get back from this break. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this message is on Legends 810. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moon shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. Whoa, stop right there. Now that you've got the hole dug, what's next? Add Mike, of course, that's M-Y-K-E, to ensure your plants will get off to a great start. Mike is a revolutionary and proven product that helps plants thrive here in Colorado soils. The secret is a concentrated form of the beneficial fungi mycorrhiza that are found growing naturally with the roots of plants. Mike's beneficial fungi team up with the plant's roots to increase their surface area, boosting the plant's ability to find and absorb water and nutrients to produce stronger, more vigorous and productive growth. It's all organic and easy to use. Simply apply Mike directly to the roots as you transplant your new plants and jump back. Well, it's not quite that dramatic, but the results will amaze you. There's a mic for all your garden plants, including one for flowers, vegetables, and trees and shrubs. And now you can experience the amazing effects of mycorrhiza in your potting soil. Pro-Mix potting soils are perfect for your summer pots and planters, as well as hanging baskets, raised beds, and even houseplants. Make this the year you harness the power of mycorrhizal technology in your landscape with Mike Growth Enhancers and Pro-Mix potting soils, available at your favorite local garden retailer. As always, tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Did you fight a yard full of pesky weeds last year? Fertilome has a solution for that. Fertilome for all seasons is one of the longest lasting weed and grass preventers on the market. It will prevent crabgrass and other weed seeds from germinating for up to six months. So apply it early and let it do the work. It also has a unique blend of slow-release fertilizer that contains important micronutrients, including iron, that will green up your yard all summer long. Use the product the professionals use, Fertilome for All Seasons. Look for Fertilome for All Seasons at these and other independent garden centers. Jared's Nursery in Littleton, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, and the Flower Bin in Longmont. As always, be sure to tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. And we are back. I told you we'd be back. And uh, having said that, should we go out and talk with Miss Shirley? Good Shirley. morning. 
Good morning. When I turned on your program this morning, you were just wrapping up a call. A woman was going to plant something that took care in the beginning, but then oh yes, you could uh-huh. just ignore it. What was that? Well, she was uh, she had grape hyacinths, and she had a perennial hibiscus, and she had these grape hyacinths had overtaken a lot of her flower bed because they're pretty invasive. And she was wondering about how she could dig up the the hardy hibiscus and get all the grape hyacinths out of the root system and replant it. And in the meantime, the grape hyacinths, um, Jim was saying, you know, once you plant those, once they're established, which doesn't take more than a few weeks, uh, you never have to water them again. Oh, I thought it was some kind of ground cover you were talking about. On the south side of my house, I don't want to go into the details, but all I have is mud and weeds. So I need, I don't want to have a concrete sidewalk put over there, but maybe that's what I'll end up doing. Is it It a very, it's, it's no, it gets no shade. It's very hot. Okay. And are you able to water it over there? Um, well, the sprinkler system has been turned off over there. That's what started my problem. Okay. So I don't know how difficult it would be to reactivate that. Well, typically it's just a matter of reconnecting some wires. Or pipes. It looks to me like I've got some tubes that connect to nothing. Oh, okay. Well, that, I, that's something... 60 years old. Oh, okay. And I want everything at a minimum of care and expense. Sure, sure. Well, I, you know, if you can, if you can do at least some hand watering over there with a hose. Sure, um, I could do that to get something started. Some some really durable plants are things like uh, some of the ground cover sedum uh, or ice plants. Okay. Partridge feather. That's another really pretty silvery thing. These are all low, low water. Once you've established them, they take... Partridge what? Feather? Partridge feather. Uh Uh-huh. What else else do you have in your yard that you don't water, Jim, as a (laughs) ground cover? (laughs) As a ground cover, uh, a couple of plants I like. One is... uh, Zinnia. (laughs) Rocky Mountain Zinnia. Okay. It's it's a slow-moving ground cover. Uh, but it has yellow flowers that um, last, uh, apparently last all summer long. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care how pretty it is. The only people that are over there are the men heading to the backyard to mow. Yeah, the um, the sedum and the ice plant that I mentioned, they're evergreen, so that you have something there 12 months out of the year. Right. And uh, And they bloom, but the... the in your situation, I think the most important part is that they would survive. Good, good. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go down to Jared's mm-hmm. and see if I have to mortgage my house or oh. something. <laughs> well, keep in mind that both the sedum and the ice plant are very, very easy to propagate from cuttings. Okay. You can do that. I mean, you, you spit on them and stick them in the ground and they root. So, you know, you buy, buy a few plants, let them grow for a while, and then stake, start taking cuttings off of them and propagating your own plants, and you can fill a large area in no time at all. Great. 
I will give that a shot. I okay. do like your program. Well, thanks for calling, so, Shirley. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Yeah, there are a bunch of plants I was going to recommend. I will recommend if she is or anybody out there has access to and plays around with the computer, um, go to uh, Plant Select. Just pl uh, type in Plant Select in that little box that comes up on Google, and uh, there you will find a whole host of perennials and shrubs. And is there a section here on trees? Oh, and vines. Trees, yes, yes, yes. That will probably do well for her. You might <coughs> want to explain what Plant Select is. Plant Select is a program of uh, plant introduction to our area here and other parts of the western United States. <coughs> and the people who run it are Denver Botanic Gardens, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, Colorado State University, and local garden centers are involved in this. And these plants are recommended by a number of people. And then uh, they're grown out in uh, trial gardens uh, th all throughout the state, including here in the Denver area. And you look at them for three, four, five years to see if, uh, if they perform well here. If not, they get thrown out of the program. And if so, they may get included in the program. And the program uh, introduces typically, oh, five to ten plants every year. Mm -hmm. <coughs> And they put a little out a little brochure, and all the garden centers know all about this. Uh, but you can look at it online and figure out which plants you would like to find in the garden center. And then the plants are labeled in each pot with a particular label that has the Plant Select logo on it. And the Plant Select logo looks like a, a flower that's orange on the top and yellow on the bottom. Uh, a very, um, a very simple logo. It stands out, so you all have to do is look for those that logo on the plant label, and that'll tell you that it's a plant select plant. And you'll pretty much only find them at the independent garden centers. I don't think yeah. you'll find them at a box <coughs> store or grocery store or something like that. I haven't seen them yet in no. either, either, either one of those. Yeah. So watch for those because you know those have been tested and retested and then brought into this program only after they meet certain qualifications. Exactly. No and they actually have a, a actually have a coneflower in there. They do. Oddly enough, it's one called Echinacea tennesseensis, and as the name might imply, it's a plant from originally from Tennessee, it's a, a species. And it's a very at one time it was a very very rare plant, and the programs came around to propagate it and get it back out into the wild again, which was very successful, so much so that garden centers picked up on it and are now selling that plant throughout the country. And I am not an Echinacea fan myself. I try. <coughs> I try to be, and they just don't seem to like me. But this one I'm really taken with. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fairly simple-looking thing. It does have lavender flowers. They're not huge. They're not wide. Um, but they, they're very, very, pretty, very pretty in the garden. Well, the, the whole plant has that. <coughs> gracefulness of a wild yes. flower. Yes. Not o an over hybridized poodle of a plant. Right. You know, it's it's more of a more like nature intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before man started messing around with That's it. That's right, and trying That's to turn right. it into something else. As they have, by the way, with seven hundred and forty nine <laughs>
uh, selections of cone flowers. Yeah, things have been yeah. bred and bred and rebred. Uh, there's no GE ones yet. Okay. There are yeah. GMOs, but no GE uh, uh-huh. echinaceas. Okay. And by the way, speaking of which, um, I addressed a couple of questions on Facebook, various sites, <clears throat> one of which uh, someone was looking for recommendations where they could get seed of to what I think it was perennials that weren't GMO. How do you do that? Easy. You go to a garden center, look at the seed rack, and buy anything that's on there. Yeah. And it's not a GMO. You and I cannot buy GMO seeds. True. <clears throat> so when when you see someone who says that uh, their package contains no GMO seeds, well, that's a duh. It's a yeah. <laughs> Everybody does. So it's a no biggie thing. Well, the only caveat to that would be if, if you take a much larger definition of GMO. Uh, GMO standing for what? Genetically, genetically modified, organism. modified organism, which we all are. Yeah. I mean, I'm genetically modified from my parents. My mm-hmm. kids are genetically modified <laughs> from me and my wife. You know, your dog is genetically modified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so are most of the plants that we grow because most of them are hybrids. And that's genetic modification. Yep. But they're not the kind of GMOs that where they go in and they insert genes and the, that sort of thing. And Jim referred to that as GE or genetically engineered. Yep. And those you definitely can't buy unless you sign many, many contracts legally binding and buy by the ton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And have giant tractors <laughs> to right. plant them out in the field. Uh-huh. Acreage. <laughs> so our telephone number here is 303-477-2473. Learn it, live it, love it. Yeah, really. Speaking of GMO and GE, th- this is kind of related. And that I give these this day in history. What happened on this day in history? What happened in 1953? Dr. Jonas Salk. You know that know oh, that yeah. name? Oh, oh. Who who born in the fifties does not know that name? <laughs> okay, he <laughs> announced a new vaccine, <clears throat> and all you anti-vaxxers out there, listen to this. He invented, he announced a new vaccine that would prevent poliomyelitis, better known as just simply polio. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We don't have any more polio because of this. Vaccine. That was one of the biggest fears of parents and people all, all right. over the world. Yep. Before this vaccine came out. And I know people who are survivors of polio <clears throat> to this day. Yes. I but back from do. the 40s and 50s and maybe even earlier than that. But that was a horrible thing. Yep. And people ended up in, here's a term youngsters don't know, no, yeah. in iron lungs. Mm hmm. Because they couldn't breathe for themselves anymore. That's right. And most of those are gone because mm. polio was gone because of the vaccine. Thank you very much, Jonas Salk. And there were, I remember seeing pictures of, looked like gymnasiums full of people in iron lungs. Yes. Laying in bed with these big contraptions on them. Helping them breathe. Uh-huh. Yep. FDR had it too. <coughs> yes, FDR, FDR did yeah. have polio. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And they did, uh, Jonas Salk did that in, in my alma mater, University of Pittsburgh. Is that right? Yes. And he didn't, he, he didn't patent it, did he? No, he did gave not. It to, just gave just it to gave the it world. To, gave yeah. it to the world. Yeah. 
Okay. Other things happened on this date in history, too, but I'd rather talk about your garden experiences and experiences you haven't gotten yet. Would you like a new experience? <laughs> Call us up and ask us. You want a new experience? And we'll give you one. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're, you've got a hellebore starting to flower. I do have a hellebore blooming. It's a red one. All right, it's a red's not right. It's a pinkish red one. Mm-hmm. I've got a yellow one in flower yeah. that has freckles. Ooh. And it has more upright-facing, <coughs> you know, up-facing yes, flowers yeah. instead of the dangly ones. Yes. I, I do prefer those up-facing ones so they don't have to lay down on my back and look yes. up to see the flower. I remember when they first came out with the yellow ones. And by the way, the yellow ones I have seen are good yellows. Yeah, they are. And uh, to me, that was surprising that this came out of breeding work, GMO work, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And usually if you come up with a brand new color, the first ones are like, yeah, yuck. But you can see, I see the potential there is Uh to come up with uh, better and better colors. Right. And they did seem to do that very quickly with yellow hellebores. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I bought a bunch of them. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) Yeah. All different name varieties. And they're all, from what I could tell, they're all going, all going to be really good yellows. Well, I've got eight of them in my <coughs> basement under lights that were shipped to me last fall. I had ordered them for spring. They didn't show up until September, uh, October. It's because they were on the ship in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't look quite that bad. Right. But uh, I just didn't feel like they were <coughs> of a size and in the right growth ha- um, stage to plant them out in yeah. the fall. Yeah. So I kept them under lights all winter, and they're looking fantastic. Good. And they're all those upright flowering yeah. types. But if you do have hellebores, I would encourage you to get out there now and remove all of last year's foliage before yep. the flowers actually come up and do their thing. Because that foliage can, number one, be in the way because it sort of gets matted down yep. here. And it also looks like garbage this time of year. Yeah, so when you're done with your yard, please come over to my yard and do the same thing (laughs) while I continue raking leaves in my front yard. Yeah. God, wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow. It makes good compost. Eventually. Just think of all the compost you don't have to buy. I got a giant compost pile that's already filled to the brim and overflowing, and now I have all this New detritus. And and a gym membership you don't have to buy. (laughs) God. (laughs) At my age, this is tiring work, I want to tell you. Uh, No doubt. Not just raking leaves. That's a simple process. But raking three years' worth of leaves. And you get down into the bottom layers that come up in mats of stinking (laughs) brown mass of detritus. You make it just sound so nice. I know. I know. People say, we should leave it there for mulch. Well, th- this is my native plant garden. The things don't require mulch at all. Don't want mulch. No, don't want mulch. All right, there's music that indicates we have to get out of here for a very, very brief intervention. And we'll be Intervention? Back. Yeah, that too. <laughs> when we get back here on Legends 810.